Warren Buffett, BlackRock, and other institutional players dominate investments in commercial aviation. Why? Because it's one of the most profitable and predictable alternative assets that exists. And it's not tied to other markets such as real estate and the stock market. Is it safe? Well, imagine triple net leases to the likes of American Airlines and British Airways. Income is contractual and guaranteed by some of the biggest named airlines in the world. That's why this kind of investment was never available to the ordinary accredited investor. That is until now. Visit accesswealthaviation.com and check it out for yourself. Invest in an institutional team with over 200 plus years of combined investment experience in the aviation sector. Conservative investing with double digit returns and tax advantages. That's accesswealthaviation.com. Accesswealthaviation.com. You are listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. Get ready to change your life. Welcome, everybody. This is Buck Joffrey with the Wealth Formula Podcast. Today, I would like to start out by reminding you to go to wealthformula.com and take advantage of the resources on that page, including download of my best-selling book, Seven Secrets of Eternal Wealth, which is available for you just by clicking. You can also... Text me, 44222, and type Wealth Formula. That's one word. And um, and you can get that book for free. And there's also a lot of other resources there that you really ought to check out. Make an occasional visit to the website. You can also use SpeakPipe, which is this tool that lets you speak into it. And I get the audio. We can play that at an upcoming Ask Buck show. We should probably do one of those pretty soon. And thank you for a couple of recent uh, ones that we had, and we'll make sure to play those. I also want to remind you that my course, my digital course, uh, Your Roadmap to Real Wealth, is still available, and there's a new promotional that you may want to check out. Go check it out at uh, wealthformularoadmap.com. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, one of the best things about that uh, that whole thing has been Wealth Formula Network. In particular, this community that's coming out of the course and everything, we've been having these bi-weekly calls that have been really outstanding. And uh, so you may want to be part of that. Check it out. Again, it's uh, wealthformularoadmap.com. Now, as far as today's show, I remember when I met Robert Kiyosaki uh, the first time that uh, we were talking and he told me that Rich Dad, Poor Dad uh, was written uh, he wrote it to be a ultimately to be a promotional piece for for cash flow the board game. So he has this board game I'm sure you probably know about. It's called Cash Flow. Uh, very interesting game. It's sort of uh, uh, you know a way of, of 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 learning accounting basically. And he did this book as sort of a side project to promote the board game itself, which is what he thought was really the big. You know, which is a big prize, which was his entrepreneurial endeavor. He really did not write this book with the intent of making money necessarily uh, as a freestanding publication. Well, <laughs> you know what happened then, right? I mean, he had uh, uh, this little promotional piece ended up being the number one best-selling financial book of all time. and <laughs> Not bad for a little promotional piece. You know, countless people that I know, have been touched by Rich Dad, Poor Dad, uh, or another Kiyosaki book, and credit it with transforming their lives. And I'm included uh, in in one of those 
uh, people. Uh, Cashflow Quadrant was a book that I read that really just was a religious experience for me, really changed my mindset. But for most people, uh, it was Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and when that came out in uh, 1997. And it was such a transformational book. When you ask Robert about it, he says, well, yeah, it's, it's an accounting book. He describes it as an accounting book. Well, you know, it's kind of funny when you hear it described that way, but if you go back and you read it, you know, assets, liabilities, cash flow, accounting. That's what the book is all about. You know, the genius of Robert Kiyosaki is that he's able to explain accounting to the masses, you know, in, in a way that makes sense and it's entertaining. You know, accounting isn't that sexy and it isn't that entertaining, but it is important. In fact, you know, I believe that everyone really should be required to take an accounting class in high school. I know people talk about, well, they don't teach you investing in school. Well, that's right. But, you know, they don't really require accounting either. And if you don't know accounting in some basic fashion, it's hard to start investing because it's all fundamentally starts with accounting. Accounting is the basis of business. And, you know, if you're investing, most of the time you're investing in some kind of a business. Even an apartment building is some kind of a business. Stocks are all technically businesses, although these price-to-earnings ratios of like 300 to 1 it may make you think maybe I shouldn't invest in that business, right? But not only is accounting the basis of business, it really is the basis or it should be the basis of personal finance, Think about it. Everyone really should see their own personal finances as a business. I mean, you have money going in, you have money going out, and what you have left is some kind of a profit. Most people's expenses, as we talked about in the last show, uh, the biggest expense is taxes. But, you know, that that's just the way that business works, too. And your personal financial statement should be viewed no differently than a business owner viewing a financial statement and assessing its health, you know. Uh, you want to add assets, you want to reduce liabilities, and you want to make sure you have adequate cash flow. That's really what personal finance is all about too, right? And and, and that should make sense. And, and if you do that, you might actually start behaving differently. You might start investing differently. You know, let me give you an example of that. I have this friend here in Santa Barbara who I think is a really interesting guy. He's, a, he's actually a famous house designer. And he and he's a real estate investor as well. And a few weeks back, I went to his I went to his house. It was his daughter's birthday, and a nice house. And you know, he showed me around. He's got some really you know really expensive furniture. He also collects vintage cars. He's got like a really cool Ferrari um, that I think is super cool. Uh, but now, and you might think when you hear that that you know this stuff sounds like a waste of money, doesn't it? I mean, after all, I mean, Kiyosaki called that stuff doodads, right? Well, no, not really, because he actually buys these things, my friend does, because he wants to put them on his personal financial statement as assets. Now, think about that. Now, if you buy a brand new car today, right, say maybe you buy a BMW, Maserati, whatever, it'll cost you, you know, might cost you over $100,000 to start. And then as soon as you drive it off the lot, it immediately begins to depreciate, right? Now, my friend, on the other hand, uh, he told me that this, you know, cool old Ferrari he's got, he bought several years ago for about $75,000, put a little work into it, and now it's worth about $400,000, and every year it's worth more and more. 
And then in terms of his house, he could have gotten brand new furniture. He's got plenty of money, uh, but he chose antiques and he, you know, got them looking a little bit nicer. And so now he's got this stuff that not only is expensive, but it doesn't like go bad. It actually gets better and it appreciates in value. So this guy has made, ultimately made his personal financial statement and his personal living space all the same thing. I mean, it's talk about a guy who understands accounting. I mean, even his toys are real appreciating assets. In fact, I got to tell you, I was sort of inspired and I started thinking, gosh, you know, maybe I ought to pull the trigger on this old, uh, you know, the you know, I really like these old Porsches, you know, these 1960s 356 models. And I can never really justify, you know, getting a fancy car before. But now I'm thinking, well, maybe I should just focus on these old cars because they appreciate. And then I can have my toy and it could be an asset, too. So it's pretty cool. I have to tell you that I had it sort of was a little bit of a paradigm switch for me as well. Anyway, uh, it's just another way to view the world and one that I think is really quite valuable. Accounting uh, is fundamental to financial literacy, and, and it can really change the way we behave. And my guest on Wealth Formula podcast this week understands that really well. He is a doctor. But he's also an MBA, which you know doesn't necessarily mean you're financially literate. But this guy is, and he has made it his mission uh, to teach others, specifically doctors. But it really, what he does relates to all professionals and ultimately to personal finance as well. When we come back, we'll hear from Dr. David Norris. Worried about saving too little too late for retirement? The Wealth Accelerator may be exactly what you need. With the help of some of the oldest and most reliable insurance companies in the country, Wealth Accelerator allows you to take most of the upside of any good year in the stock market and use bank loans to magnify those returns significantly. And what if the stock market has a bad year? No need to fear. Wealth Accelerator is engineered so you don't participate in the losses of the market, no matter how bad of a year it is. Sounds too good to be true, right? But it's not. It's simply the same financial engineering that the ultra-wealthy have been doing for years. Now it's your turn. Check it out for yourself by going to WealthFormulaBanking.com. Again, that's WealthFormulaBanking.com. Self-storage is a necessary evil. It's where you keep your stuff and forget about it. No wonder the stuff is so profitable and recession-resistant. The Wealth Formula community, well, we've benefited from that. We've made lots of money in this space with Reliant Real Estate, one of the largest self-storage companies in the country. With an average investor internal rate of return of almost 34%, with hold times just over three and a half years, these guys know what the meaning of velocity of money is. If you're an accredited investor, make sure to check out what they're up to right now at ReliantFund4.com. Again, that's ReliantFund4.com. Welcome back, everybody. Today, my guest on Wealth Formula podcast is David Norris, MD, MBA, author of The Financially Intelligent Physician, What They Didn't Teach You in Medical School, which is must be a really, really long book, right? David is also a practicing cardiac anesthesiologist. Uh, he also teaches healthcare professionals the nuts and bolts of running a small business through his consulting firm and his digital course. David, welcome to Wealth Formula Net uh, Wealth Formula Podcast. 
Thank you. Appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Been looking forward to it. Good, good. I said Wealth Formula Network, which is uh, the private community we just started, so I kind of messed that up a little bit. But hey, listen, this group has a lot of doctors, a lot of dentists, but there is also uh, you know, a number of people who are professionals of different kinds, and some of the problems that you deal with or help people with are, are really applicable to many. But let us understand a little bit where you got to this point of going from a you know, a practicing physician to also having all this other knowledge. What 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 brought you there? Sure. Um, it all began many, many, many years ago um, when in med school I started asking questions about, well, how do you run a practice? How do I know, you know, what to bill or how do I manage employees? And I was told at that time, don't worry about it. You'll get it in residency. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then and then I said, okay, fine, I'll listen to you. And then I got to residency and I asked the same questions and I was told, hey, don't worry about it. You'll learn it when you get out. Yeah. And right, right. guess what? Um, yeah, it was too late by the time I got out. Right. So in my group, uh, it's kind of the, uh, the squeaky wheel with all the suggestions gets the opportunity to put up or shut up. And I was eventually put in positions of leadership in my group and began to get income statements, balance sheets, and was asked to help participate in making business decisions for the group. And I began to realize when I started flipping through these income statements and these financial reports, I really didn't fully understand what I was looking at. I mean, I had done some real estate investing and did know how to do some of that analysis, but I didn't really have a good idea in terms of process improvement and leadership. And so I decided to go back and get an MBA. And during that time of getting the MBA, um, I realized that not only myself, but a number of other physicians, majority of the ones I work with needed this information. And it wasn't until I met my, my mentor who really kind of helped me focus in on what I really want to be doing, uh, helped me focus in on my mission and purpose. After I met him and he kind of helped me do that, um, figure that out. I've been working on this now for five years, coming up five years, just trying to create educational material and help physicians become stronger leaders through business education. Yeah. So those problems that you talk about, are they physician specific or are they, tell us a little bit about some of the problems that you deal with. I mean, obviously just, you know, reading a, a financial statement, but there's got to be sort of a broader framework in which, uh, you know, that's not just applicable to doctors, but to anybody, right? No, I think it applies to anybody who runs their own small business or runs their own shop. Um, yeah. One of the things you have to be aware of is um, not only, you know, um, you're reading your income statement balance sheet, but also being able to utilize the information it tells you. Like in healthcare, we have a number of different ratios we can use. You know, like a LDL-HDL ratio or hemoglobin A1Cs or a PTINR. We use those ratios to help determine whether or not our therapies are effective or how healthy or sick our patients are, and then we make a decision. The same thing happens in small business or big business. doesn't matter. But you need to focus on, you know, learn on how to how to interpret how healthy your, your business is, and then um, be active. And take an active role. I think a lot of small businesses run into cash flow issues. And I think by really going over your financial reports on a regular basis, and if you don't fully understand it and you have an office manager, somebody, an accountant, sit down and really work with them to understand that information so you can make better business decisions. 
uh, because I, a, a number of reasons why companies go out of business is they just run out of cash. Cash is the lifeblood of any business. And if you don't understand where your cash is going to and coming from, um, you can't really get a handle of how well you're doing. Right. And I'll give you an example. Uh, a friend of mine who uh, buys and sells and invests, you know, he owns mobile home parks, yeah. right? Yeah. And um, so it's nothing related to healthcare, but he read my book. He's a good friend of mine. We've been going to breakfasts for years. And he read my book, and um, first off, he said, Dave, I didn't know, realize you had so much knowledge. And I said, well, I'm not going to push it on you. Yeah. You don't ask. I'm not going to butt right, my nose sure. in your business. <clears throat> and, but then he said there are a number of points in the book, like a cash flow statement, that really helped me figure out where I'm leaking money. Right. And just by understanding a couple different other reports and ways to look at that, he was able to stop some leaks and turn around a park a lot faster than he thought he could. Yeah. So it's not just for healthcare; it's really for any small business. It's a frame of mind and, and an approach, a systematic approach to how do you approach your the financial health of your practice or your business. Right. Do you do you typically work with practices that are already up and going, or do you also work with people who are just starting out? I work with with anybody who's uh, wants the help that yeah. that's willing uh, to ask for the help. Yeah. Okay. You know, if they're like, hey, I come in and look at my books or uh, show me where we might be able to, you know, improve things. More than happy to. Or if you're getting to hang your own shingle, um, there have been a number of residents who have left my our residency program and have asked me to kind of look over their business plan as they go to a hospital. Um, and pitch a pitch a product or a service to them. Yeah, uh, all of them. Um, you know, but they they come with a willingness to learn. They realize they don't have all the answers, and I'm just trying to help them, teach them how to think differently, so they yeah. can then think for themselves and make better decisions. Yeah, I, I bring that up in part because you know, being a business guy myself, who started a few businesses, I found that there's two challenges. Right? There's the the issues of not only being able to read things and uh, make decisions, but even getting accurate information, right? So then you've got mm -hmm. to figure out how do you get how do you get real information and how do you hire the right people and the right bookkeeping? It just gets pretty complicated. And yeah, it's enough to scare a lot of people from ever even you know uh, going that way if if they if they have an inclination towards going on their own. Yeah, you know it's but. It, it, boy, it, you you minimize your risk with knowledge and information. You know what, what my accounting professor taught me in my MBA program is like you know certified, you know a CPA just means they're a certified public accountant. It doesn't mean what they hand you certified. Right, right. The reports aren't certified, but they themselves have passed a test, much like we pass a test in healthcare to become board certified. Um, but as long as you have a fundamental uh, understanding and you know what questions to be asking, and if they have a hard time giving you the reports you want or they have a hard time answering your questions, then I think that's a pretty good sign that you might want to move on and find somebody who uh, is knowledgeable. Um, but, you know, people are risky. Yeah. <laughs> you got to trust somebody sometime because yeah. uh, right. you can't do it all yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the problem of, of not having financial literacy actually probably scares a lot of people from ever doing, you know, ever going the entrepreneurial route in the first place, mm -hmm. uh, whether that's medical practice or law practice or any other kind of business. How much of that is the problem? How much of it is just getting over the hurdle of the financial or the, 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 the psychological hurdle of 
this not being something that's too complicated. You know, because a lot of times I think people are f- afraid of complexity and uh, and that's what keeps them from doing. Do you find that often to be the case with physicians and, and in some respects not wanting to get involved with that, thinking that, man, this is just stuff, you know, that's probably just, you know, another career, you know? Yeah, um, it was interesting. When I um, first got started in this to see if there was a demand or even a market, I did a survey of every physician in my county, and that's about, I sent out about a thousand surveys. And in that survey, I asked a bunch of questions as to, you know, how do you feel in looking at financial reports and making those decisions? How do you feel about managing others? You know, leadership, uh, process improvement, marketing, legal aspects. And I asked a, a whole array. And the one thing that outweighed everything else in terms of these physicians who responded to the survey, which was about a 33% response rate on a single mailing, um, they said uh, it was the accounting and the financial aspect. They had no idea. And and that ranked up there almost 70% of my respondents said yeah. that, yeah, this is where we struggle with the most. Right. And there were, you know, other issues that also ranked up there, but accounting and finance were number one, and that's why I decided to focus on that. You know, that's the big, the big uh, elephant in the room that we need to tackle, and so that's what I was going to go after. Um, and I think, you know, a, a lot of us, particularly those of us who are in a, a professional uh, trades like dentistry, optometry, um, you know, medical professions, legal, um, even account or architectural. We go to a trade school where we learn how to do what we do, right. but we don't get the business side of it. And you usually have to be pretty darn smart to get into those schools. Mm-hmm. And I think a little bit of our fixed mindset comes into the play. I don't know if you've ever read anything by Carol Dweck, but she talks about a fixed mindset and growth mindset. And that was one of the things my mentor first had me teach when I would go out on some workshops with him is I would teach the growth mindset. And how important that growth mindset is not only to how you negotiate, but how to how you approach life in general. And I began to when I was working with physicians, I began to realize a lot of these guys have fixed mindsets in terms of this area. They're so smart in one area, but they they don't want to admit (laughs) there's a little bit of pride, a little bit of ego or something where they don't want to admit maybe I'm not so smart in this other area and I need to get help. Yeah, yeah. And once I'm able to coach those guys to get over that hurdle it's really fun to watch how well they can excel. Yeah. You know, it's, I always say this, and I truly believe this, that one of the, what you're talking about to me is, is the ability to kind of put your ego aside. That's one of the most liberating things towards growing wealth in general, because I think you're right. I mean, I think one of the reasons I think that high paid professionals like doctors, et cetera, don't uh, a lot of times even, you know, invest in a, in a particularly intelligent way is that they're not really willing to put in the time and they're also not really willing to admit that there's stuff they just don't know. I mean, how can you be, I mean, listen, I started out as a neurosurgery resident, right? And you come out and you say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a brain surgeon, but yeah, I can't read a financial statement. That, <laughs> it, it's it's not one in the same, right? It's not <laughs> one in the same. And so, but but yeah. you know, the whole joke about uh, the, the neurosurgeon and, and, you know, what's the difference between a neurosurgeon and God? Well, God knows he's not a neurosurgeon, right? Um, <laughs> but being able to admit that you have some weaknesses is fundamentally, you know, 
how we grow. And I, I'm, yep. I'm guessing that's kind of what you mean by the growth mindset versus. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You said it beautifully. Yeah. And on the other hand, uh, you know, you probably I found that the smarter and I, I, I brought this up to Robert Kiyosaki when I was interviewing him, that I think that the challenge sometimes, um, you know, he's always talking about how C, you know, A students work for C students and B students work for the, the government. And it seems to me that the more ability that you have to do well in school, the better grades you get, the higher achievement, it is even more it is even more difficult to break out of that mold and start thinking differently um, than just what you, what's in your curriculum because you're kind of afraid of failure, right? You've got this Pavlovian yeah. uh, response and constant feedback that you get people say so you're so you're so great, you're a brain surgeon, you're you know you're cardiac anesthesiologist, you're really smart, so you don't really want to come out of that shell. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, for to be truly successful in business, you got to know your limitations and then you got to accept them and either figure out a way to make them better or find somebody who can help you fill in those gaps for you. Well, let's talk about like the relevance to, you know, you know, because some people are out there thinking, well, gosh, I mean, I, I work for somebody and I'm making mid six figures. I don't need to read a financial statement. Well, I don't think that's true either, because that's a great, great way to have somebody screw you over. But, um, you know, for anybody who's investing out there and investing mm -hmm. requires some basic financial literacy when it comes to accounting and that sort of thing. Yes. Right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're an employee, uh, you're working for somebody um, and they're paying you a million a year or your, your own shop, but if you're going to start investing your own hard-earned capital and you're going to make your cash work for you, because that's really what we, I think everybody wants to do or should want to do, you got to be able to understand how to read those income statement balance sheets. You have to have that financial intelligence. How much cash is there? How much debt is there? You know, um, what's the equity that, that's in the company? What are our assets? You know, how well are those assets being managed? Um, and there are a lot of different ratios and, and things you can use to help determine that. But if you don't even know to ask those questions, you, you have a hard time making an educated, safe. Um, when I say safe, I don't mean like it's 100 percent safe. I mean, safe as in you're minimizing your risks. Right. Because investing has risks. And, and if you if you're looking for a safe investment, I don't think you'll ever find one. It yeah, doesn't matter right. what you invest in. Yeah. Um, but. You want to be as educated as you can so you can make the safest investment decision, decision possible. So it probably gives you a pretty unique perspective, particularly when you're looking at some of the stocks out there that have no cash flow at all that are off the charts. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, these uh, P.E. ratios, price to earnings ratios of in the several hundreds. Uh, I mean, does this I mean, this got to fundamentally change the way you invest, right? I mean, what do you think of that when you look at the equity markets? Are you kind of a stock market guy or do you, you know? What yeah, I, I, I do invest in stocks, but I, I usually pick the stock. I'm more of a Warren Buffettish yeah, sort of yeah. guy where, OK, what is it? What is it that you make? What right. is it that you do? And, and, and do I understand it? Yeah. And uh, and I think, you know, from when I, you know, reading some of the stuff Warren's written in, in the books, if I can't really get my head around it and understand it, then I'm not going to invest in it. But if I can have a basic understanding of what it is you're doing in terms of a good, good service and how you're 
market works, and I can understand your income statement, your your annual report, or whatever it is that I have access to to make that financial decision, um, I feel a lot more comfortable. But if I can't get my head around it, like you know, I, you know then I, I just stay away from it. I don't even want to spend the time trying to understand it at this point. Um, yeah. I don't know if that's good or bad, but I just, if I don't understand it, I stay away. I think that's, I think is a general, uh, rule. I think that's something I agree with completely is the idea of staying away from complexity. Most of the time when it comes to the investing world, complexity is, is there really just to fool you. Right. It's just really there to fool you. I mean, uh, I know there's people who have this experience of listening to Wall Street guys talk about things and they use lingo, et cetera. And then if you try to break it down, it's, you know, you, you kind of understand it's sort of a code language a lot of times. And it's just meant to confuse you and make you feel kind of dumb. But the, uh, you know, when it comes to fees and all these things, I mean, that's the more complexity is there's more opportunity there to basically suck off your money in one shape or form. So, you know, I like the idea of, you know, if you can draw it on the back of a, a, an envelope, it's probably a pretty good, pretty good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Or yep. at least a decent business model. So tell me about the book. Um, mm -hmm. and, and the course, because there's a couple of resources that I think, again, really anybody who's looking for some really, um, some, a solid foundation for not only a practice, but also for, you know, having a basic financial literacy when you're looking at an investment could really use. Can you tell us about it a little bit? Sure. Um, the book, uh, I started writing, oh, <clears throat> almost three years ago. Um, and, uh, just, it was a passion. I just wanted to get it out there. So I, I it's been out for over a year now. Um, it's been doing well. Um, you can buy it on Amazon and, uh, Barnes and Noble, um, or directly from myself. And it really, I wanted to create a, an, an easy, simple down to earth approach to financial intelligence. I try and make the lingo, I try and get rid of all the MBA lingo-ish, if you will, and just get down to really the nuts and bolts. You know, I, I took the approach, when I talk to my patients, I try and put it in everyday lingo they'll understand rather than all the Latin and Greek that we learn, because mm -hmm. I want them to really understand. And that's the approach I took when I was writing the book and creating the courses. How, do I, how can I make this as simple as possible so that folks can really wrap their head around it and get these concepts because they're not complicated concepts. Sure. They just tend to make them complicated, I yep. think. Yep. Um, so I wrote the book first and then I did, um, decided to make an online course to go along with the book. Um, and I just released that, open launched that about a month ago. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun. Um, it's about three and a half hours of lectures, downloadable PDFs and audios and, um, um, you got lifetime access if, if when you sign up in this short window. Um, so it's been very well uh, received. Uh, a lot of program to residency program directors are using the program now as a supplement to get their residents this education they need before they leave and enter the workforce. But it, it's really geared for any professional, um, not just physicians, but dentistry, lawyers, you know, yeah. whatever. The book is called The Financially Intelligent Physician, right? Uh, what they yes. didn't teach you in medical school. And we'll put a link to that as well as the course. What's the course called? Is it the same name? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it is. And they can go to – and the website for that is learn.davidnorrismd.com. 
mdmba.com. Yeah, we'll um, definitely put a link to that out there as well. Now, you do some other types of consulting as well. I understand I have some people sometimes who are interested, maybe young doctors, et cetera, in you know, contract negotiation. Can you tell us some of the other things that you do as well, David? Yeah. Um, so after I uh, graduated from my MBA program, uh, I, uh, on happenstance, um, I was in the middle of – so what happened was I was when I was the president of my group, we went through a very painful negotiation process with the hospital in terms of our service agreement of my group with the hospital. And what I learned in the MBA program wasn't working for me. And so I started trying to get as many books, as much knowledge as I could in terms of effective negotiations. And I stumbled across a book by the name, uh, uh, the author's name was Jim Camp. And he wrote a couple books. Uh, no, uh, the only uh, negotiation uh, system you'll need and start with no. His first book was start with no. And I really liked his approach. And he has a systematic approach to how he negotiates. And um, that really just helped me get through that negotiation. I think we had a better result because I used what I learned in his book. Well, I emailed Jim and just said, hey, I read your book. This is how it helped me. Thanks a bunch. I just want to say thanks for your hard work. I appreciate it. Jim emails me back and says, uh, it starts up a conversation that turns into telephone calls that eventually I start going to help him do workshops with him, uh, teaching his negotiations. Unfortunately, Jim passed away uh, around Thanksgiving of 2014, but I still work with his son and I still work with the camp negotiation company. And I work and I teach uh, others how to negotiate. And we have a systematic process and we teach you how to think differently and how to approach negotiations, get away from neediness and get into more of a, of a, a, a different mindset so yeah. that you actually don't become prey, but you get what you need out of the deal or what you want out of the deal. Um, and actually the, what Jim was the one who got me started in the speaking, uh, at conferences, he was oh. like, you need to go speak on this. And so I, that's when I started speaking was the first lectures I ever talked at major organizations like the MGMA, Medical Group Management Association, and stuff like that or were on negotiations. And it's still one of my more requested uh, um, uh, talk that I give. And now the, now the financial intelligence and how to use that to prevent fraud in your medical practice, that's beginning to pick up a lot as well. Mm -hmm. um, but um, no, yeah, I, uh, I do enjoy the negotiation coaching. That, that part is fun because it's a skill I can teach and then they can go off and do it on their own and get much better results than they would if they were trying to use the the win-win or the compromise or right. you know right. that sort of stuff. Now, is that specifically, generally speaking, David? Is that for the most part for health professionals, or is that also pretty broad? In terms oh, of it's very broad. Okay, it's very broad. Um, I I I focus on healthcare because that's what I, that's the industry I'm in. But um, um, uh, you know, Jim's son, he's got uh, a ton of uh, of uh, tech companies that he works with oh, out wow. in San Francisco and a lot of startup companies that he coaches and helps them through their negotiations. And we got legal and uh, yeah, you name it there. We're there. There's somebody in every industry, you know, teaching and consulting with that. I just happen to be one of the lucky guys that gets to do healthcare. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. So how, how can we learn more about that component and what you're doing? 
Um, you can go to um, uh, campnegotiations.com, I think is the name of it. Um, I know they're currently revamping the website and I think even the URL. Um, but I, um, I I can get you the, the, the full actual one here in a little bit. Yeah, we'll just put it in the show links. But um, yeah. listen, David, this has been great. I think this is really useful information, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure there are people out there who can use your services because a lot of times these are people who are asking me about, you know, negotiations, et cetera, with uh, healthcare companies, and well, I don't practice anymore, so I don't have a clue. <laughs> so, <laughs> so they should reach out to you. So thanks so much for being on Wealth Formula Podcast today. You bet. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everyone. So definitely check out David's course and his book. And again, you know, this stuff is not just about doctors, right? It's about reading personal financial statements and personal, or not personal, but financial statements, business financial statements, a lot of it. But it, it it's all really related to your personal finances as well. It's all one and the same, Right. Um, and David is a great teacher for anyone who wants to understand this stuff. But really, honestly, the big thing is one way or another, if accounting is something that you don't feel comfortable with or you don't feel like you know the basics of, you really understand it, that's where you need to start, right? It's not about where you learn to invest. I mean, that is important too, but you got to build a foundation. The foundation is accounting and uh, getting some basic financial literacy. And if you do that, you will be liberated and you will make better financial decisions. After all, that was the whole point behind Robert Kiyosaki writing uh, or what creating cash flow board game and ultimately writing Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Anyway, uh, that's it for me this week on Wealth Formula Podcast. This is Buck Joffrey signing off. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Formula Podcast. Visit us on the web at wealthformula.com. The information contained in this podcast are opinions, not fact. As always, consult your own financial team before making any investment. See you next time. Buck Joffrey here from Safe You with Buck Joffrey. Aging might become reversible over the next 10 to 20 years. It's already being done in lab animals, so it's just a matter of time. Our challenge? To be healthy enough for when that time comes. As a former scientist and surgeon myself, my goal is to figure out how to do that and to share it with you. I wrote a book called Living Longer for Busy People that you can download for free at safeyoupodcast.com. You'll be amazed at just how a few daily adjustments can add years of a healthy life for you. Again, download it for free, safeyoupodcast.com.